1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 20 of The Conscious Capitalists with myself, Timothy Henry, and my co-host and partner in crime, making the world a better place through business, Raj Vasodhya. Hi, Raj.
2: Hi, Timothy. Happy New Year. Great to see you again.
1: Happy New Year and happy and healthy 2021 to everyone listening. And um, today we're going to do a very interesting... Podcast. We're going to be talking about leadership and a particular element of leadership that uh, Raj and our mystery guest, who will be introduced in a second, uh, co-authored in a book called Shakti Leadership. So Raj, maybe begin with introducing your co-author.
2: Yes, it's my great pleasure to introduce uh, somebody who's been a very special uh, influence in my life and a dear friend, and in many ways a teacher for me, uh, Nilima Bhat. Uh, as you said, the co-author with me on Shakti Leadership, uh, somebody who I met in 2010, when we did our first, uh, actually our uh, only major India conference on conscious capitalism. And she was part of a group called Chitta Sangha, which means the Consciousness Collaborative. So she and her husband Vijay and about 25 other pretty extraordinary human beings who are all working at the intersection of consciousness and, uh, and leadership and business. And uh, so we met there uh, at that conference and then subsequently became friends and, uh, and then eventually started to think about uh, working together. And we found a domain within which I had some interest and she had a lot of depth, uh, which is around the idea of the feminine. I had observed that there was a rise of feminine values generally, as well, especially in conscious businesses, <clears throat> which were more characterized by compassion and caring and inclusiveness and love. Ideas that I had explored a little bit in Firms of Endearment <clears throat> but I had uh, seen that more, and we did a conference uh, in Boston at Bentley University. One of our conscious capitalism conferences was around the rise of the feminine, and uh, and so over time we started to explore those ideas. So Nilima, welcome. Uh, Nilima is joining us today from Mumbai, which is her uh, home base, but she travels all over the world, spreading light and wisdom. So great to have you joining <laughs> us today.
0: Great to be here with you, Raj and Timothy. Uh, so excited that we get to talk about Shakti leadership four years on.
1: Yeah, well, four more years after that. No, sorry, there's an, uh, a political <laughs> illusion. <laughs> um, so, Ninama, maybe begin by by sort of saying what was the journey that got you to this place of Shakti leadership? Um, how did this come into being, and and why was this an important part of your journey?
0: Wow, that's a long question. You know that.
1: <laughs>
0: How much time do I have?
1: <laughs> I may do a male thing and interrupt you halfway through. No.
0: <laughs> right. So, um, I'll try to make it brief. But um, as as Raj mentioned, we were part of this group called the Chitta Sangha, and we were looking to create a conscious leadership model, knowing well that uh, it was one of the four tenets of uh, conscious capitalism. And um, we knew um, that we needed to bring the uh, wisdom around the word consciousness, which is something India really holds the repository for in it's you know, 5,000 plus odd year um, of civilization. And so there was a group that was trying to put together a model. Parallelly, um, I am a trained yoga teacher in the Shivananda tradition, I have, uh, I have practiced the integral yoga of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. And um, it became very clear to me that the world needs, of course, you need to bring consciousness to leadership. And yoga has many fantastic distilled answers over thousands of years. So why do we you know, reinvent the wheel? Let's look into the body of work called yoga. Uh, the other was as a woman. I knew that um, we need to find feminine leadership styles. We need to find a uh, conscious leadership that works not just for men, but also for women. And in the field of yoga, there is the concept of Shakti, right, which is this innate power of existence that drives everything and that evolves everything that, that fuels change. And if we want to be conscious leaders looking for transformational change, then obviously we need to know what this element called Shakti is. And interestingly, it's called, it's called the mother because um, it's the creative force from which everything is supposed to emanate. So in the yogic tradition, the consciousness principle is Shiva, which is pure witness, awareness, stillness, what is commonly today understood as mindfulness. But it's a kind of actionless space. And for that to form into action and create the outcomes needed, you need that creative principle. And that which creates and gives birth is is the feminine, the mother. So I was thinking, hey, there is all this power around us. (laughs) It's called Shakti. And leadership is all about exercising power, but typically win-lose power. Like, you know, someone needs to win and, you know, someone needs to lose and I'm like, no, there is so much power going around. And if we all figure out how to tap into Shakti and therefore understand the feminine principle uh, of consciousness, then uh, we have a very uh, robust uh, model for conscious leadership based on source itself. So that was one you know, idea behind writing Shakti Leadership. The other was, I was convinced we need a model that works for the East and the West and not just by the West for the West. Uh, and now people are talking the global North and the global South. So um, I've been like a pig searching for sniffing for truffles for all this good stuff in all the world civilizations, you know, I call them the civilizational elixirs. And How could we put that all together in a model that will give us um, leadership that works for all? Oh. So that's how Shakti leadership came
1: about. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and Raj, you know, um, how did this relate to your journey and how this resonated with you? And, and why was that a good time to be writing that book?
2: So after writing uh, Conscious Capitalism, and we all had started the movement together, and I had done Firms of India, and prior to that, I was interested in going deeper in my understanding of these elements, and, uh, and I think in terms of conscious leadership is probably where I did not have much background. You know, my academic background is not in, in the management discipline, which not typically studies leadership. So I was quite interested. And as I said, there was something in me that was tugging at this idea of the feminine. And it's taken me uh, years uh, after that to actually ultimately figure it out that I was in some way manifesting my mother's energy uh, in my work already. And in fact, in 2018, when I turned 60, that's what a coach told me that, you know, you've been honoring your mother with your work, that you've been bringing that to the world uh, through your writings, and that that's what the world has needed. And that's kind of what, uh, what is your uh, role to play uh, in this. So I had been dabbling in it at a certain level, as I said, talking about what is feminine, what is masculine, and to what extent are conscious companies and their cultures reflective of the feminine. And then as I got to know Niliman, she was writing a column uh, I think of Shakti Speaks for one of the uh, uh, Indian newspapers, uh, which was more addressing women's issues, right? And giving voice to women's issues and so forth. And I think Neelima then came up with the idea of us doing this book together, which, uh, which was a great uh, uh, blessing and a great learning experience for me.
1: So I, I, I love this idea of trying to find this balance of uh, masculine and feminine, particularly when we get into leadership. And so I'm curious, Nilima, as we get into this idea of conscious leadership, um, how do you integrate the idea of conscious leadership with this idea of the masculine and feminine?
0: So at the, at the least, uh, to be a conscious leader, you have to be present and you have to cultivate presence. And different traditions call it mindfulness or um, centeredness or whatever, but we needed to create um, a a practice that regardless of gender uh, leaders would commit to. And then the discovery that in order to come into your presence, um, you also need to be able to balance your masculine and your feminine side because to be too truly centered you need to, it's the Tao symbol, the yin and the yang have to be in this dance together. When you're not present, um, you're in one or the other.
2: Mm.
0: Right? So, to truly, so first of all, it, you know, you need to be in your full power in order to be present. And in order to come into your full power, you need to be a whole person. And in order to be a whole person, You need to have developed both your healthy masculine and your healthy feminine qualities, values, behaviors, selves, call it whatever, right? These are like polarities within us. And um, because of patriarchal societies and leadership models, both men and women have learned to overdevelop their masculine side. So it's not wrong or bad. It's just incomplete. It's like they've gone to the gym and they've worked out the right muscle, the right bicep, <laughs> but not even realize there is a left bicep in the same body, you know? And so no wonder we've created such imbalance and it's the imbalance that has led to the problem. So um, even though there's a lot of, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, calling it wrong or anything, the, 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 Feminist movements are all about, you know, raising up the feminine and almost sometimes calling the masculine out as all wrong and all bad. But the East, because of the idea of Shiva and Shakti and yin and yang, so clearly shows us that having one to the neglect of the other uh, makes both bad, you know. So going with the feminine and just assuming all things feminine are good and all things masculine are bad is 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 an equal recipe for disaster
1: right uh, yeah well there's also a lot of studies i think that are coming out and and i sometimes joke with my children who are 24 and 21 and so to say to my 24 year old daughter you're the future of leadership <laughs> and son you better learn some things about your feminine side if you want to be a constructive leader and i bring this up because i think there are studies now that are starting to say that as we get more and more into a team-based model of management and teams become the, the integral point of reference for how you run a business, then the ability to create really effective teams, you know, studies are now starting to show that women are much better at leading these teams and creating a collaborative team environment with the other, I guess, new buzzword, with psychological safety, you know, that you need to create a psychological safety in a team and that, quote unquote, women tend to have this more or be able to do this more than men. And so my response to that is read Shakti leadership. <laughs> That's how the men will learn this. I mean, how do you respond to that? I mean, these, these Western studies are now coming out and saying these things around team collaboration and psychological safety. How does that relate to the notion that you're uh, pushing forth with this idea of Shakti leadership?
0: I think it's just an idea whose time has come, right? So um, when you have a problem, you finally address the issue. Uh, if, if everything's working fine, if your masculine model is working and it seems to have worked all this time, then why would there be any need to bring in the feminine? Um, but given that these models are now no longer working uh, and organizations realize that <clears throat> just having leaders focused on getting the task done doesn't get the task done. The leader needs to also have emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence, the ability to gather as they go, take their people along. That relational self, that inclusive self, needs to be developed like a muscle is developed. So um, leadership skill building is needed for that. So I think <clears throat> it's good because you know necessity is the mother of invention, kind of thing. So if you realize you're having a problem, you need to now find the solutions for it and if, if that's the way in which the feminine is going to be restored to organizations then fantastic. You know, I, I wish we didn't have to go through pain and suffering to come into our wholeness and um, inclusion but if that's the way then so be it. Um, I think that's the way I would respond that um, we, we I'm surprised we lasted this long on just the masculine.
1: Mm. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting. So I'm thinking for some of our listeners that are men, uh, there may be a few of them out there listening to this podcast and they're sitting there as a leader and sort of saying, yeah, something for me to really think about there. You know, what is the um what is the on-ramp to shakti and and shakti leadership? How do I practically as a as a male leader, how do I start this journey? And, and what are the first couple steps?
0: Well, first you begin with cultivating presence. <clears throat> and from that presence, you, you try and figure out how you do power. You know? How are you getting things done? How do you exercise power? And we surprise ourselves that very often we are doing win-lose power and we don't even know it. And uh, to catch yourself, and to say, "How could I be doing power with in this conversation, instead of trying to either take someone's power away to get my job done, uh, or to give my power away to kind of remain in in the game?"
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what I hear you saying is that you know it begins with at a certain level, you know, emotional awareness, um, I'm self-aware. And if part of that self-awareness, I'm able to at least observe my own behaviors. Um, And so that's sort of a, if you don't have that, you're not going to get to the next level. Yes. Then within that, and Raj, I'd love you to kick in on this. You know, what I heard you also say was this is about win-win thinking. This is about um, you know, how do we grow the total pie versus gets lost in this win lose way of of operating? And we've often talked about that within the stakeholder model. And in our in our book, we talk about the need for a mindset that is a win win mindset. Raj, is is that the is that another way of approaching this? Is by sort of saying what we want to be cultivating here is a win win mindset.
2: Yeah, and I think, as Nilima said, the starting point is also self awareness, and we have an assessment to say, what is your default style? Mm. Where do you tend to gravitate? And all of us have that, right? And we can kind of put it on a spectrum of more masculine, more feminine. And by the way, it doesn't correlate directly with whether you're a male or a female. There could be plenty of women, and our society has cultured us to do that, that we are generally speaking on that masculine side, but there could be plenty of men on the other side and women on that side. So I think it starts with that, but then as Nilima said, having an understanding of what are we trying to achieve through our leadership, right? And how do we think about power with and not power over and recognize, and that's where the idea of Shakti is so beautiful because it says there is no shortage of power in the world. Mm. You know, there is infinite power in this universe. There's power inside every electron, every atom, you know, everything is, is buzzing with power. And if we are in harmony with that, which seeks to emerge, if we become an instrument of something that is part of the natural unfolding of evolution and of, of, of life, then we have access to limitless power. Mm. We channel that. But if we are not in harmony with that, then we must source that power from elsewhere within us, right, which is a limited source or from others you know, dictators and others basically make the people powerless. And most companies are in a way dictatorships, right? Mm, mm. So people have to give up their power and one person then holds that power and tells everybody what to do. But that is a very limited uh, kind of power. So we have to connect to a deeper source of power. And that's really why the start of this is presence, which then enables us to connect, you know, deeply to that source and have access to all of the power that we need. And then the idea of cultivating wholeness so recognizing what is our default tendency and then the goal really is wholeness, which means the positive aspects of the masculine and feminine in harmony, Yeah, working together, right? As Carl Jung said, every man has an inner woman, every woman has an inner man. And as Martin Luther King said, we must be tough-minded and tender-hearted at the same time. So how do we become that? Mm. And in India, of course, we have a God for everything, right? So there's a God that depicts <laughs> that beautifully. It's Ardhana Reshwar. Which is uh, masculine on the left side and feminine on the right side, right? Yeah. And the idea is that we are born with different genders, but the journey in our lifetimes is towards wholeness. Yeah. We are not limited by the constraints of that gender, whatever those might be thought of as, but yeah. that ultimately we are able to combine and integrate both of those things together. So, yeah. how do we become whole? You know, and that's a big part of the journey of becoming a. A conscious leader is a whole person you have to be a. Whole. if you're not a whole person that means you are fractured and wounded within yeah and how can you then be an effective leader if you haven't healed yourself within
1: so there's one element of this which is really around this personal journey to raise my own consciousness and to to see myself as a whole rounded human being and um And then there's another element that I've also heard and in the book is brought out is this idea of power with versus power over. And, um, so let's say I've done the survey now and male or female, I've, I've discovered that I have a tendency towards power over. And I look at that and I go, wow. Yeah. I've got to move more over to the power with got it. Okay. Now I've intellectualized that. And I sort of said, yep, I've got a score. My score is low on this area. I want to improve it, um, which is in of itself a challenge in terms of that mindset. But Nilama, now that I've decided I want to improve it, how do you coach me to to be better with the power with versus power over?
0: So actually, there are uh, two very practical um, uh, worksheets that are put into the book. And uh, one is called a polarity map, which is the work of Dr. Barry Johnson. It's just brilliant. And we applied it to masculine and feminine saying uh, we need to leverage both the best of both or we risk falling into the worst of both. And uh, you map your healthy masculine and your healthy feminine qualities. You also map your unhealthy masculine and unhealthy feminine behaviors that are typically yours, you know. And then you get this early warning sign when you're kind of falling below the line and beginning to now get in that toxic space. So to give you an example, when I am falling below the line into becoming too masculine, I notice I become judgmental. And so my action step is to reach across to my healthy feminine. And my healthy feminine I've identified is the capacity for compassion. And it's the perfect antidote to being judgmental. So just, just as I start writing someone off, my, I now have this um, you know, light in my dashboard that goes off that says, oh, pause and uh, move to compassion because you've started judging, you've fallen below the line. And that's no good for anybody, including myself. Similarly, if I'm too, I'm just compassionate all the time, you know, and then of course I go into hyperfeminine. I fall below the line in hyperfeminine, and I my my early warning sign for that is that I I start becoming kind of needy and dependent, uh, typically on the you know the male figure around me who I'm looking up to. So then it's like, oh, catch yourself, Nilima. It's time for you to move into your own healthy masculine and in my case that is called um, self-care and it's the perfect antidote to feeling needy and dependent on someone else.
1: So the first step I'm hearing is that we want to sort of use the polarity model to sort of say for me here's the benefits of masculine, here's the benefits for me, uh, benefits of, of the feminine but yes. here's the warning signs. Let's go below the line. And if we go below the line, it's like, well, here's the things that can be the overuse of that muscle. And here's yes. the things on the feminine side that could be the overuse of that muscle. Yes. Let me bring awareness to that and yes. begin with, you know, being able to describe how do I go above the line? Yes. And what do I need to be watching for to stay above the line?
0: Yeah. And it's so brilliant, uh, Timothy. It's, it's, it's so simple. And it's so brilliant. And you say, What? Really? 5,000 years of patriarchy, and this is the solution? <laughs> if every mad woman and child figured this little piece out, we'd all be balanced human beings. And yeah. it's as simple as that it's behavioral, yeah. it's, uh, it's about being mindful, and then it's about committing to the behavior. That's it.
2: And I think it's worth underlining a couple of points there. So, first of all, we have to be able to observe ourselves, right? So, mm-hmm. we have to kind of detach, you know, say, oh boy, I'm behaving like this or I'm feeling like this. So, it's kind of that, you know, our two selves that we have within us, right? And then, you know, as a species, and I think especially as Western society, but society in general, we tend to be bipolar. Right, We go from one extreme to the other. So the current fashion or the trend is, oh, masculine has done all of this and toxic masculinity, and therefore we go all the way to the other side and thinking that that's the answer. But that, as polarity thinking clearly shows us, that's not the answer. These two things are locked together uh, in harmony. So we have to do that. And there was a, there's a whole uh, series of books that came out a number of years ago. I remember one with Hannah Rosen, I think, uh, wrote a book. It was the banner headline was The End of Men. And then the subtitle was, And the Rise of Women, right? Mm-hmm. And so first of all, why couldn't you flip that? And secondly, why do men have to end in order for women to rise? This is not, I think Nilima has a wonderful phrase for that, uh, that we, it's not about, what do you say, Nilima? Not about falling in love, it's about rising in love together or something? Yes, in the,
0: rising yes. in love together.
2: Right, so we we are not the enemy of each other. We are the missing pieces in a way. And mm-hmm. of course, that is, that divide exists within each of us because none of us is a pure representation of either masculine or feminine. That's, you know, fortunately so. Uh, So I think that's, that's important to recognize. Our book is, is advocating for the rise of the feminine because that's what's been lacking in men and women, right? Women have had to sort of lock that up and put it away somewhere, Uh, but it's, it's also very much celebrating the healthy masculine. Without that, you know, we don't go forward uh, either. In fact, what
0: I love about the polarity map work that uh, Barry Johnson says, you know, it's like, if why do we even think we can choose one over the other? Masculine over feminine or feminine over masculine? Because these are interdependent pairs. They are like inhaling and exhaling. And we have been told... You can only inhale and forget about exhaling. Mm. And now we are wondering why all of society and the planet is gasping for breath.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, great, great example. Now, you also mentioned there was a second element in Neelama That uh, So yes. the one is the polarities and raising my awareness and getting above the line. We'll talk a little bit about the, the second
0: Okay. Actually, the second is a worksheet in the book and it's called the leadership styles assessment that Raj was referring to. But just that one worksheet is, is just brilliant. It's, um, we kind of uh, pulled it out of research done by Caroline Turner and um, it was it, very well researched within many organizations on what constitutes a masculine style of leadership, what constitutes a feminine style of leadership, uh, particularly in in different domains of leadership. So how do you manage conflict? How do you organize your teams? How do you, you know, what are your motivational factors? What motivates you as a leader? Um, And so on. There are five such uh, boxes in which leadership is done. And what's brilliant is there are ways in that one worksheet where you see how masculine leadership uh, is done for those um, domains and how feminine leadership is done. And both are equally valid options for you as a leader. And once you kind of do the scoring for yourself and you discover your perhaps dominant masculine in your style or your dominant feminine in your style, That's fine. That's good to know. That's just self-awareness. It also says play to your strengths, you know, so good play to that. If that's who you innately are, but we also say, think about a problem you're currently facing and which of these five domains is it about? Mm. Right there, you get to diagnose it to one level of chunk. And then once you diagnose which domains it is about, suppose it's about how you, how you handle conflict. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And then he says, are you playing to your masculine style? And if that's not working, then how about you look at what's on the other side of the page, which are very simple, clear ways in which to behave or operate and act in a feminine way. So right there, it tells you, this is what you could be doing. Yeah. And go out there and try it out. And so your style is good when it works. And if it doesn't work, the worksheet shows you exactly what you could be doing to leverage the complementary style of the other.
1: Well, I, I, I think this is so important because I think there's also a paradigm shift occurring in terms of how we run our businesses. And what I mean very particularly about that is the whole idea of the teal agile organization, which um I like to sort of summarize in some of our podcasts is what I call freedom within a framework, you know, like how do you create a framework for the business around the strategy, around the values, around the culture, but then give people some freedom within that to operate, which means in fact, sort of continuing to allocate the power in the organization closer and closer to the front lines um, and empowering people at different levels of the organization. Now, I would argue that in order for that to work, the traditional hierarchical model, which, by the way, happens to come from military and happens to be very male-oriented, that now more than ever, we need the kind of leadership that can allow this empowering, enabling freedom within a framework model to work. And so given that, I think more and more people are going to be looking at this and sort of saying, okay, if I want to go to that business model, I need to incorporate this into my leadership model to enable that. Because without that, I can't do this other one. So tell us a little bit about what does it mean to take these concepts and put them into a leadership model for a particular company and help to develop leaders in this way within a particular company?
0: Yeah. I love that you uh, brought in the TEAL organization because um, it's almost as if and with the COVID world, um, we're being forced to leave the old paradigm mm. and we, are, we, we have no option but to move into a new world and, and new paradigm and we need new paradigms for everything. So we need new ways in which we organize our organizations, and this is what you're referring to as the teal organization, which is built on living systems and, and you know, largely non-hierarchical and you know, lots of reciprocity. And at the same time, it has to include honoring of natural hierarchies, mm. right? So if you do not have banks to a river, then that river never reaches its ocean and uh, dissipates, right? So. That natural hierarchy or that structure, that masculine energy of providing the the banks is so important, so that the creative energy of the the team can flow like that river does. So, um,
1: no, I love that. that. I mean, that's exactly what I mean when I say freedom within a framework, right? Like, like yes. what's that framework we create?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: but you need to have freedom within it because that's where the the innovation comes. Because at the yes. end, what we're really talking about is innovation and people being empowered to yes. find creative solutions. And yes. and and that's where this creative energy is so important.
0: And therefore, you know, while, you know, one group of thinkers and consultants are out there teaching how to create the teal organization and how to structure, if you're a startup, how to start right. You know, mm. I'm setting up the Shakti mission right now and I want to start right. And I want to set up a teal organization from day one. And, I want to bring in a consultant who can show us how to do that and that cannot happen if the leadership styles are also not upgraded to the new paradigm that's needed for teal organizations.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's almost as if Shakti leadership was written four years ahead of its time and I would like to believe it's not ahead of its time, but it's been around four years so that now when people are talking teal organizations and saying, where is the leadership for teal organizations? Shakti leadership has had enough of a salience in the world for it to be now picked up.
2: And Uh, why don't you uh, flesh out the whole model as well? I don't think we've gone through all the elements of it. Right, so
0: the model is the five elements and it begins with presence. Uh, as a master key, the leader has to first get present from presence to access their true power, which is tap into that Shakti potential within them and not be doing ego based win lose power. And from there, learn how to become psychologically whole. And um, this is when we talk about uh, becoming the wise fool of tough love, you know, having, we bring together two very powerful psychological frameworks one is uh, Dr. Eric Burns work on transaction analysis which says your parent adult child selves have to integrate around the aware adult so your parent self is your wise self and your child self is your foolish self and I use the word we use the word fool with a lot of care it's not meant to be um, denigrating in any way it's um, it's that archetype of innocence, right? Um, that sense of childlike curiosity and wonder without which we wouldn't innovate anything. So becoming the wise fool is is becoming psychologically whole in the Eric Byrne model, but then tough love is becoming psychologically whole in the Carl Jung model where he says the anima, the animus have to get integrated, which is again the Shakti model, the Shiva, the Shakti and the, Eastern, the, the, the Taoist yin and yang. How do you bring your masculine and feminine sides together? So playing to your masculine, your tough would be, how do you draw healthy boundaries? How do you say no? How do you discern and not get all fluffy and lost in things, right? At the same time, how are you taking your feminine along, which is the capacity to care and share and love and empathize and include. And um, So becoming the wise fool of tough love is work. each of us is perhaps already developed in one of these core archetypes, but not in the other. Mm -hmm. So we have to do the work of building that muscle. So um, even just thinking about it, you get a sense of, you know, what is, what is your strength and what is something to be leveraged, right? So in my case, I can tell you that I have a lot of wise. um, I have a lot of tough, interestingly, (laughs) and, uh I, I now work on my love and I work on my my fool, right to be able to and, and so once you are whole, which is the, the the third element, the fourth element is flexibility. So the situational leadership model, but explained through these four archetypes, saying, any leadership situation requires you to play one of these four styles, and there is no fifth style needed. <laughs> Mm, Because mm. this is called the fourfold self. There is nothing beyond these four. And uh, at at that level of chunks, we get set in our leadership styles. And so learning how, and you you mentioned agile, it's the same concept, right? How do you become more flexible and flex to a situation as needed and also flex from? If you have these four, you know, it's like a Swiss army knife. If you have these four... (laughs) You know, weapons, so to speak, to, to, to play, um, you know, or, or whatever, you know, the dance moves, if you will. Um, you just have more repertoire yep. and a more complete repertoire. So that's to flexible. Add,
2: to add to that, uh, some people might hear that and say, well, now you're being inauthentic, right? You're showing up as somebody else. But actually, no, you're, you're, you're showing a particular side of yourself as needed, right? So it's still true to who you are, but it's a dimension of who you are, as opposed to saying today, I'm going to act like somebody else. No, first develop all of those sides to your, those facets, and then have the, and I think what presence gives you, as Nilima talks about, is the discernment. know, mm. right? As I think you refer to a sensitive sonar. You can mm. pick up weak signals and, and, and then know exactly what to show up with and how to show up. And then having that ability to flex yeah. uh, then becomes uh, important.
1: In that. Well, Raj, maybe give a practical example of how that applies to you. And, and, and where does that show up most for you in the roles that you play as a leader?
2: Mm. Well, I mean, going back to the wise fool of tough love, I think for me, the defaults would probably be wise and love. And I need to dial up the toughness, right, and the playfulness. I mean, they're dormant within me. The toughness, you know, that is something I've really had to uh, understand. uh, My own aversion to conflict, Mm. my own uh, harmony-seeking tendency, which you know, just because you avoid a conflict doesn't mean it goes away. It just changes mm. location, right? And now goes yeah. inside you, yeah. and it grows from there, right? So I'm I'm learning as as uh, as Neha puts it, I need to go from chief harmony officer to chief healing officer. That's way different.
1: Mm. Right? It's
2: not about harmony at all costs. Sometimes you know, healthy conflict is a key part of that. Mm. I think that's mm. about cultivating personal power. Knowing yeah. when to say no and setting those boundaries, and I think all of that is a critical learning edge growth edge for me yeah me to become whole I need to make sure that I am able to tap into those things so before I can deploy that in a situation I need to actually have it yeah available to me as a as a tool so I'm working on that Uh, and then I think the other side I think it's 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 actually and I don't have to do that much on the child side because I mean I that's about playfulness and sense of humor right so we can all get curious at times um, so yeah, that definitely uh, now, once you have that in your mind, then you can actually observe yourself. It all goes back to observing yourself, right? Yeah. You have to kind of, and again, I keep quoting dilemma, you have to become your own parent, you have to become your own mother and your own father,
0: mm. right? In a way, mm.
2: observing yourself and telling yourself what to do mm. uh, in keeping with, uh, you know, this, this way that we have identified, you know, that we should show up. So uh, it's a work in progress. I think we all tend to become rigid and sort of automatic in our responses, but I think mindfulness is about creating that gap between stimulus and response, and then choosing the response, as opposed to automatically coming back to the response.
1: Well, this is the real consciousness in conscious leadership, right? I mean, let's go back to where we started, which at the beginning, which is if you don't have that consciousness, if you're not... Um, if you don't think self-awareness and going on a journey for of self-knowledge and self-understanding, if that journey isn't an important part of your life evolution, <laughs> then then none of this is going to make sense. And, none of
0: it. And, and it kind of brings me to the, the last element and then the hero's journey. So, you know, we talked about presence, power, wholeness, flexibility. The fifth element is congruence. And congruence is about not just lining up fully yourself within your mind, body, spirit, all, you know, lined up, uh, but also knowing your purpose and then living your life on purpose. So the person you are is the leader you are. And um, the work you bring to the world is essentially uh, who you essentially are.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. So that is when you feel congruent. You're not wearing a mask. You're not stepping into someone else's shoes. You are expressing you know, uh, who you essentially are as your purpose in the world. So that's congruence. And um, um, we put a circle around that. We have a very sweet symbol for, uh, that describes these five elements. And uh, the circle around the symbol is for the hero's journey. And of course, we all are big fans of Joseph Campbell. So we talk about how to come into each of these five elements. Each of these is a power base in itself. And to come into any kind of power requires you to make a journey. It's never given to you on a platter. You're going to have to go on an adventure. You're going to have to die in some way to old ways of being. You're going to have to face down your worst fear. And only then are you going to claim this power base. Are you going to earn this power base? And then... It doesn't end there. You've got to come back and share it with the world. That's the elixir you bring. And the person you've become and the power you have awakened in yourself is something that is medicine that the, your world needs yeah. and how you come back and share that. And we also described Maureen Murdoch's work uh, around the heroine's journey and how that applies to women leaders. Um, so the hero and the heroine's journey is a very key part. And many, many thanks to Joseph Campbell and Maureen Murdoch for for bringing that work to the world. So the Shakti leadership model is really a model of synthesis. Uh, We've taken best practices and frameworks from around the world, ancient, modern, East, West, North, South, and created something that's easy, that you can count on your fingers, that you can keep in mind, and then, you know, you can practice.
1: Neelama, um, I love the model. I enjoyed reading the book. And I guess the question is now what comes next for bringing this to life in the world? How how do we bring this to the world and make this um, more available for people who are interested in leadership development?
0: Um, I realize to become a Shakti leader, you need to go on a longitudinal journey. It's not just a one-day workshop. I wish it were as easy as that. So uh, using the metaphor of a nine-month journey to birth your new self, uh, we created the nine-month Shakti Fellowship Program, which is jointly certified with the University of San Diego's Conscious Leadership Academy. And we've had now three cohorts. There are 51 women across 13 countries uh, who have uh, qualified, certified as Shakti leaders and Shakti fellows. And uh, essentially they go through a three track process step in they do the hard work of inner transformation they learn these five elements of Shakti leadership then they do step up they learn conscious leadership skills on how to you know both healthy feminine and masculine leadership skills how to assert and influence and negotiate and be a peace builder etc and then step out is each one has to create a game-changing project and um, then at, at graduation, they actually uh, present that to the cohort and um, they have to describe how they have uh, incorporated the conscious capitalism for tenets, how they have incorporated the five elements of Shakti leadership, how they have brought in the matrix of peace uh, model that is from peace through commerce. Um, it's very, very inspiring to see these women and who, who they become and how they then show up. So the vision is that by 2030, uh, to create 100,000 Shakti leaders wow. who wow. will collaborate to create peace, prosperity, and beauty through the exchange of multiple forms of capital. So the book is out in, Fre- in Russian, in uh, Hebrew, and in, uh, in Portuguese. So these women are coming from these countries as well, and then going back into their countries, not just the English-speaking world. And looking to set up and already teaching in their uh, in their countries. So wow. this is how we want the the ripple effect to take place. The other thing apart from actually uh, creating um, uh, transformed leaders, uh, inclusive leaders, is is how do we bring this model to organizations? So we've created a program called Presence and Flex, mm-hmm. and to take uh, teams in organizations through. Um, uh, you know six week uh, two month kind of journey, maybe even more depending on how deep they want to go. but getting the the men and women, the leaders come together and go on the journey of how to get more present and how to get more flexible between feminine and masculine styles together so they they get a shared language and then uh, they buddy each other to hold each other accountable. So this is all about addressing unconscious bias and getting to more psychological safety in that organization, in that team. Um, and then we, we encourage the organization to actually put this into their performance management uh, metric. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. let, us, let us measure and reward our leaders for being more present and more flexible. That's how it gets done. So we've had a pilot with a company called uh, Redemption Plus in the U.S., and, uh, you know, this is done with Tiara Consulting. That is a women-led uh, consultancy um, out of the U.S. And uh, very exciting what, what we can do with Presence and Flex going forward.
1: Love it. Love it. Love it. Raj, um, on your side, so, anything you want to add to this conversation?
2: Well, yeah. So as, as I've been thinking about uh, the work we did together in Illima and, uh, and how it manifests in the world, and the idea of the masculine and feminine in harmony with each other, it still occurs to me that there remains some kind of a hierarchy in terms of values. There are some values that are higher, like love is a higher value than, than you know, self-interest or achievement, etc. Right? And so, therefore, just like the expression goes, the mind is a wonderful servant but terrible master. Right? So I, I, I tweeted something the other day, I said, masculine energy too is a wonderful servant but a terrible master. Hmm. What I mean by that is that we should lead with the feminine, which is love, compassion, and inclusion, and then support that with the masculine the structure and the systems and the resilience and the discipline and so forth. So we project warmth first and then the competence. Mm. And that sense, I do think there's a bit of a hierarchy. It's not just like these two are co-equals in every regard. I think we need to lead with love as the, you know, there's a whole movement called lead with love and then support that with all the necessary masculine elements. So I just wanted to get your thought about that because I was also (laughs) thinking about this in terms of capitalism and democracy, right? These two things were kind of wedded together. After uh, the Berlin Wall, you know, 1989, but then over time, they seem to have diverged, right? There seems Mm. to be a battle between capitalism and democracy. And and those two things need to coexist, but capitalism needs to serve democracy. Mm. What has happened in many countries is sort of democracy is trying to serve capitalism. So we have to, there's some hierarchy, you know, what's the higher value? Mm. Let's not sacrifice a higher value for a lower value. So it's a roundabout way of saying that I think we need to lead with the feminine and support that with the masculine. I mean, to me, that's really the answer ultimately. They're both important, almost equally so, but one kind of has to be in the front.
1: Well, that that's really interesting because Neelama, what I what I heard you say was you were training a lot of women leaders. And it, it's curious to me of, you know, where are the men that ought to be signing up for this? Because, you know, if... We're coming from a male-dominated, traditional kind of mindset. Um, what has been the reaction? Why aren't there, you know, like why isn't your class it's uh, half and a half?
0: <laughs> okay, so first of all, uh, that's a choice right now, and that's for the Shakti Fellowship with University of San Diego. Women are underserved. The you know the United Nations SDGs talk about you know SDG five. We have to raise up women and girls, and so. I've created that program only for women. Having said that in 2019, I traveled to five continents you know, and, and spoke to, I haven't even counted how many hundreds and thousands of mixed groups um, and, and both men and women being very, very keen to learn what this is about. Um, and I must say, uh, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's be as broad based with gender because typically in the front rows, the LGBTQ, lots of them I noticed because they are so grateful that finally here is a leadership model that makes space for for them as well, mm. right? So um, yeah, it's uh, it's a model for everybody. So now I would also like to comment on what Raj just said about um, you know there should be a hierarchy in the in the in, in love, for example. So the way I see it is there are levels of chunk. But the two exist at every level of chunk. So even at the level of love, without power in that, um, there would be a, it would fray. Okay. So at every level of chunk, uh, there has to be two in harmony. And I just wrote an endorsement for a book by uh, Sharna Fabiano called um, Lead and Follow. And she's a tango dancer and teacher. And she has applied the entire principle of uh, social dance. And and she takes leadership as a conversation. Okay. She says, regardless of gender, someone has to lead. And then someone has to follow. And that can interchange as well, depending on the context that's around you. And uh, so... Everything with presence is, I go back to saying, you know, everything with presence, perhaps the one non-dual thing is presence. Um, You you can do love from presence, but if you do love without presence, that can also get you um, manipulated. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I think there will be times where we need to choose and choose one value over another. But at that point, to do it from presence, um, there may be times where love isn't—you know—where the most loving thing is is what may seem cruel.
1: So, if I wanted to know more about the Shakti Mission or about the centers of excellence that you're thinking of, where, where can I go to get more information on that? Where where would be a good source for that?
0: Right now, ShaktiLeadership.com.
1: So, ShaktiLeadership.com, like its yes. book would yes. be um, a great place where would I could go and get more upside. information on that. Yes. Wonderful. Raj, any final thoughts on your side?
2: Well, you know, to me, Shakti leadership is conscious leadership because there's nothing in here that uh, that is separate from what it takes to be a conscious leader. You have to be whole, right? So uh, that's just the name we are giving it uh, in this book. And, and for me, this became a part of my growth because if you think about what does it mean to be whole, it's, it's actually... Uh, the definition of healing includes wholeness and holiness, right? So the work that I did with Nilima really uh, yeah, so sort of immersed me in the idea of wholeness, and that's a form of healing. Uh, and so that's what has led to my subsequent work as well around the idea of the healing organization. Uh, it really comes from that place of wholeness. So that's uh, really the journey for me.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Nilima, thank you so much for joining us this week. And thank you, listeners. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to hit the subscribe button on whatever service you're using uh, to listen to us this week. And if you have any thoughts or comments, please go to theconsciouscapitalists.com and leave Raj and I a note. And Raj, if people wanted to know more about conscious capitalism, what should they do?
2: You can go to consciouscapitalism.org. So this is a global movement. Uh, we're in a number of countries and about 40 or so in the US cities. So please do join us and find your tribe.
1: Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Nilima and we'll see you all next week.
0: Thank you, Timothy. Thank you, Raj.